Ah, motherhood. One minute, your mom of the year. I love you, mommy. Then the next? Mm, not so much. From bath time to bullying, from potty training to puberty, parenting is full of challenges. But one thing is for certain, you are not alone. Welcome to Modern Mom Probs. I'm your host, author, mother, parenting expert, Tara Clark. Join me while we tackle today's Modern Mom Problems. Welcome back to another episode of Modern Mom Probs. I am your host, Tara Clark. Today's topic is how we're accidentally raising people pleasers. This is a really important topic that resonates with me so much. So that's why I'm really excited to have Maggie Nick with us today. Maggie Nick is a therapist, expert in parenting and low self-worth, and founder of Parenting with Perspectacles, a framework to support parents in the thick of parenting while healing their own inner child. She helps parents of toddlers to teens find their way through the hardest, most impossible moments of parenting by providing them with the tools to help both their child and their inner child feel both seen and loved. Maggie teaches parents how to get perspectacles on and see through their child's triggering behavior, allowing them to connect on a deep and profound level. Maggie, welcome to the show. Hey, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. I'm excited for you to be here. And like I said, this one really resonates with me. So I'm excited to like really explore and and talk through all of this. So you're a therapist, you help families. Tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got to where you are today. Yeah. So I knew, I've known for many years that I wanted to be a therapist. And I I did some work before grad school working with kids and trauma, whether grief and then also kids who'd been through trauma, going through the court system. And so I, I knew that I wanted to do the clinician work. I never expected the parenting stuff that just came out of left field. I have a lot of childhood trauma and have done 15 years now of trauma therapy. And at some point when I, I'm so terrified of having kids. And so at some point I was like, God, I got I to gotta figure this out, you know? So mm-hmm. I got into therapy like two to three times a week in the early days and was just trying to do everything I could to not mess up my kids, really. When I was in graduate school to get my master's to be a therapist, I had access to all the literature and I focused all of my work on just like, is it possible to raise kids who actually feel good enough? Like, is it possible to raise kids who aren't 29 like I was in therapy being like, how, how do you feel? Is it, yeah. I, tell me, teach me how to feel my feelings. Right. Is it possible to do that? Like, how does right. one do that? And there wasn't a clear path, but I did find a lot of literature on low self-worth and shame and shame resilience and emotional regulation. And so I kind of, I became an accidental expert on all of these things, but still just for me as a mom to try to not mess up my kids. And when I came out and opened my practice, I really thought I would focus on trauma and grief because that's what all my stuff had been before grad school. But I ended up just doing parenting work and like low self-worth work. And for my kid clients, I would coach the parents on parenting because I can do a lot of work with them, a lot of really wonderful work. But if the parents are not shifting to work with me, we're going to just stay in a lot of these same cycles of perfectionism and people-pleasing and low self-worth and self-hatred and and numbing and Mm self-harm. Like I have to have the parents adapting with me. And it's not our fault. Like we come out and we, when we become a parent, we parent how we were parented until there's some sort of like intervention to help us realize, oh wait, this was good. Let's take this 
this was not good. Let's leave that behind. And so we have to learn, myself included, how to shift, right? If we all, most of us, and I feel confident saying most of us as kids, were told that we needed to be good kids, right? Mm -hmm. And some Mm -hmm. of us were good kids. I was. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And some of us could not be good kids and have carried this, like, what is wrong with me our whole lives because I couldn't be the good kid my parent thought I should be. Yeah. And so we've really got to reexamine this. And if, if I, as a recovering perfectionist, people pleaser, control freak, somebody with a very messed up relationship with food, like if I don't change, then my kids are going to go through those same cycles. Like I have to stand up and face the messed up parts of my own parenting and face the abandonment stuff and face the, I feel like I don't deserve love stuff. And there's something wrong with me stuff. That's like, it's hard, but it's, it's profound. And, and we heal alongside our kids, right? Yeah. And so we, we have to, you know, if I let my kid feel their feelings, that's great. But like, we're still limited until I learn how to feel my feelings in front of them, right? Like I need to show them and model for them. This is what it looks like when you mess up. This is how you repair it. This is what it looks like when you, you know, are overwhelmed and frustrated. This is how you listen to your body. This is what you do next. This is how you get out those feelings without hurting someone. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and so I, I came out and I ended up, I started an Instagram account, really just never imagining what it would become. But at this point, I have parents in 60 countries around the world who are learning my framework. Wow, that's incredible. incredible. You should be so proud yeah. of yourself, Maggie. Thank that's you. incredible. So you also have a pair of signature glasses. Can we talk about that for a second? Yes. Yes, we can. So Glennon Doyle. Thank you, Glennon Doyle. She had a viral post about perspectacles. And I, I think I read it in grad school. And it just, it was one of those moments in your life where kind of, I think I stopped the car to read it. It was just kind of like a whoa. And so I was using the perspectacles for myself just to kind of, I think in her article, she was talking about like seeing things differently and get it. Let's get our perspectacles on and let's see it differently. And so I used it for myself, you know, did this person really mean to hurt me? Is there really something wrong with me? Just kind of in the early days of my work to heal. And then when I opened my practice, I did it with my clients and we'd have just pretend perspectacles, like imaginary. Mm-hmm. Let's put our perspectacles on and we'd all put them on. Mm-hmm. And it was so life-changing. And then when my daughter was three, she had a birthday party and I got these party glasses from Target. <laughs> <laughs> for the party. So and they funny. were so cute. And they had a turquoise pair, which is my favorite color. And it mm-hmm. just kind of all came together. So I wear these silly glasses and I get so many like, do those have frames in them? What's happening? They don't. They're just party <laughs> glasses from Target. But they're a good visual, right? To help us remember to put our perspectacles on and like see past the triggering stuff and see past the obnoxious stuff, right? For ourselves and our kids. Yeah. There's surface level stuff happening, but there's the stuff underneath and there's a reason we're yelling and there's a reason our kid is yelling at us. And like, we've got to see past the surface and go underneath and be like, what's happening here? Why is this happening? How can I work through this? Yeah, absolutely. Perspectacles. I love that. And you know what? You have such a signature look that anytime I see a video of yours or a piece of content, like I know it's you. I'm like, <laughs> there's Maggie Nick. Like, because you have like signature glasses, signature lipstick. And yep. I know your your content's always gonna be right on point. Thank you. You're welcome. So as a people pleaser, recovering people pleaser, I don't know, in recovery for people pleasing, I guess. Yep. <laughs> how do we how do we get there? How do we end up there? How did this happen? How did, how did I become a people pleaser? Yep. I do think, I want to start by saying, I do think some people naturally tend towards kind of perfectionism, people pleasing. It, certainly there is a biological component here, a temperament. But when it's debilitating, when it's 
you know, making life really hard and contributing to other things that are making life hard. That's like really what I'm talking about. It's more when it's that, when it's a problem and you know it's a problem and yet you can't stop, right? So one thing that really surprised me when I came out of grad school was the number of people that would be like, I had a great childhood. Like my parents aren't monsters. They didn't abuse me. And yet, why, why do I hate myself? Like help make it make sense for me, <laughs> right? That's a and, valid question. Right? Because yeah. there are people like me who had trauma. And like I was still blind to my parental trauma, like the emotional relational trauma within my relationship with my mom mostly. Mm-hmm. But like I had other trauma, like SVU kind of trauma. So like mm-hmm. I really thought my stuff was about that. Mm-hmm. And then when I was in therapy and did the trauma therapy to work through that gnarly trauma, nothing shifted on this front. Like that trauma shifted, but my perfectionism, all this stuff just like unaffected essentially. And I remember asking my therapist, then what is it? Yeah. What is it? What is it? How did I get here? It's parenting. So we have, and our parents like us love us so much and they just are trying to help us. They're trying to help us have the future they didn't have. They're trying to help us have the wonderful parts of their childhood that they did have, right? We're all doing this and we're all doing the freaking best that we can. And it's not coming from this place of like monster parents trying to harm their kids on purpose, right? But there's this thing that has been, has infiltrated parenting across many generations. And that thing is shame. Mm. And when, and shame is corrosive and shame is annihilates our kids' self-worth, right? And so there's this goal that we inherited from our parents, and I'm assuming they inherited, I'm not really studied beyond our parents' generation, but that the good parents have good kids who are in control, right? When we're in the grocery store and that kid's melting down, the parent's supposed to somehow like magically look at that kid and like will them into like being this little good kid who just buttons it up. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. you know stops doing what they're doing, stops being obnoxious, stops causing trouble, right? And that's just, that's not how it works at all. But we have this goal, right? That we should raise good kids. And then if I'm a good parent, I have good kids. Mm -hmm. And it's just passed down, right? Be good, be good, be good today, be good. And the Mm -hmm. be good thing is just nonsense. It's a terrible goal. because it's We're trying to fit a square peg in a round hole. Kids act out stress. When kids are acting out, it's because they're under stress. And their body brilliantly, by the way, acts it out, right? It's like, we're, and parents will be like, well, what does my kid have to be stressed about? Everything. Like imagine the, fir- the hardest first day you've ever had, whether it was school or a job or something. Imagine how freaking overwhelming that was. Imagine yeah. how everything was new and you didn't have a framework and things felt super overwhelming. And you can look back and be like, that was kind of silly that I got so overwhelmed. But like in the moment, it rocked your world. Like welcome to how it feels to be a kid every day. Yeah. Everything's new. They have not been on the planet that long. That's what I always like to say. Like yes. they have not been here that long. So right. everything is new to them. Everything is new. And new equals overwhelming generally, right? For our nervous mm-hmm. systems and for us emotionally. Brene Brown, Queen Bee, talks about FFTs, effing first times. Mm-hmm. And like that's a child right there. So you're everything's new and their brain's in flux. Like they're, they're developing and as their brain develops, the body system, the other body systems have to like adapt and react. And it's like their then hormones show up. It's just, there's so much to be stressed out about. And so, you know, when kids have stress, 
they need to release the stress. That's a core need that nobody talks about that kids have. They do need to feel safe and soothed and secure and loved without conditions and seen, but they also need to release stress. And so the way it, it should work, if we can just learn how to get out of the way, is that my kid is going through life, something stressful pops up. When their stress level gets to 10, that's where their body forces a release. It's their, their mm-hmm. cup is full, right? right. Cup yeah. cannot hold any more stress. So when they get to about seven, per spectacles on, that's where the resistance starts. And they start resisting us. The resistance is how kids release, right? They do something they're not supposed to do. And their body is like trying to have the release. And so just a quick example, when I was pregnant with my son, Allie was two, and it was exhausting, right? Mm -hmm. And I remember this one day, I was so nauseous. And I just couldn't get off the couch. It was one of those just get through the day days. And she kept doing little things. And I just did not feel well enough to get up and stop her. But what I needed to do was get up and take the thing out of her hand and like let her explode. But I just didn't have it in me. And so it was like this thing. And then she did this. And then she did this. And the next thing I knew, she's standing on her dining room table. Kind of like, are you going to stop me? Like, what do I have to do to get you to come over and stop me? Like, come on. Like literally yeah. holding your hands out. Like, do you see me? And when I came over to get her, sure enough, she went into orbit, but she resisted the like, I wanted to be on the table. And like, it's the thing is not the thing, right? It's not about the getting on the table, but they're going to find something to resist. And if we kind of hold the boundary and say, you wanted to be on the table, I'm not going to let you on the table. Then she re- regulated all the way down and her, her calm self came back to me. Hmm. And that's how it's supposed to work. Unfortunately, we have all this internalized shame and worthlessness because if we had acted like that, we would have been disrespectful and bad, right? Yeah. For, for mm-hmm. resisting our parents and, and causing trouble. And we have all this stuff and all these rules, this blueprint about how we're supposed to be. And we accidentally project that on our kids until mm-hmm. we kind of learn to see that. So kids, like we have this mechanism where kids resist to release, to regulate. But if we shut down the resistance, then we also shut down the release. And that's where kids have these big feelings and they just have to push them down and pretend they're not there. That's why we, we're bottlers who then explode sometimes. Yeah. I love the perspectacles on that. Right? Yes. Well, I've had so never heard that before. The shame comes around, right? Mm-hmm. Because they didn't just say, don't do that. They use shame to reinforce the boundary. So they would say, get off the table. What's the matter with you? You should know better. All the, like, I'm disappointed in you because I have this expectation that you should know it better than to get on the table, but yet you're on the table. So, like, make it make sense, right? And so we internalize, like, we start pairing when I'm too much, when I'm out of control, when I can't pull myself together, when I can't, you know, do the thing I'm supposed to be able to do. There's something wrong with me. I should know better, right? Yeah. And they also often withdraw and withhold love from us right? We were given the silent treatment. We were iced out. And so then there's this other layer about, I don't deserve love when I act like that. And so I, I need, like, kids will do whatever they have to do to be in the good favor of their parents. And so if a parent is making a kid feel like they should be able to control themselves, the kid's like, okay, I sh- apparently I should be able to control myself. So when a kid can't control themselves, they go through the shape spell because they're like, I-, I do know it's not okay to hit my sister. And yet I keep doing it. Like, what is wrong with me? Why can't I stop myself? Yeah. And so we learn to like try to please our parents. And we and, and there's other things that our parents say, like your dad's going to be so mad when he comes home. So like making people mad is the worst mm-hmm. thing. And we're, you know, we were made, I think, to feel like, like when my parent was yelling at me, it was like, look at what you've done. Like, how dare you trigger me? Now I'm yelling and it's your fault. Mm-hmm. 
No, it's not. <laughs> no, no, it's not. It's the, it's the parent's job to manage their freaking stress yeah. and not yell. Like, yes, yeah. my kid can set me off, but ultimately my responsibility. And so I just mm-hmm. think we were made to feel responsible for others. We were made to feel like it was our job to not disappoint and let other people down. We were made to feel like the worst thing in the world was somebody being mad at us. We were made to feel like we didn't deserve love. And so we're taught how to comply with the rules, and it feels too scary to try anything else because the shame that hits us and the worthlessness that's internalized when it gets activated, it's just devastating. That makes sense. Yeah, it absolutely makes sense. Thank you for saying that. Do you think that contributes to the low self-worth? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Directly related. Oh, yeah. I mean, I I think how can a child child feel good enough when they're constantly told you're nothing when you act like this? Told Mm -hmm. and made to feel. And again, by well-meaning parents. Like I do this when I'm stressed. When my stress level is at a 7 out of 10, that's where I'm really vulnerable. Can't Mm -hmm. get my perspectacles on and I'm really vulnerable to do the silent treatment. I parts me that are like, withdraw that love, make them feel bad. Mm -hmm. You know? Like when my stress level, I'm right, I'm with everybody on this. Like it's so hard, especially when we're stressed. But I think I had this insight one day. I was sitting in my office writing one of my online courses and all of a sudden it just hit me and I like had to lay down afterwards. Like I think the way it went for most of us and the way it's going for our kids until we recognize the shame and Mm -hmm. eliminate it is that when our kids can cooperate and comply and listen and they do the thing without causing trouble, they get love. But when we use shame, when they can't do those things, they're not loved. Mm. So it's like, I get love here, but I don't deserve love here. And how can a child feel loved all the way through? How can a child have self-worth when it's constantly given and then taken? Right? Because when when we love them, it makes them feel like, oh, I'm valuable. I have value. I matter. Mm -hmm. And it's like constantly given and taken. And so how could any of us have self-worth? Right. This episode of Modern Mom Probs is sponsored by Sambacol. Fall is right around the corner, and you know what that means. Cooler weather, layers, and of course, the kids are heading back to school. Did you check off all the items on that never-ending back-to-school list? New clothes, notebooks, pencils, brand new backpack, the kids want it all. But have you thought about how to help keep them healthy when they're heading back to school? That's where Sambacol comes in. My son and I recently started taking Sambacol every day to help support our immune systems so we could keep doing what we need to do. Sambacol is made from premium European black elderberries, which are natural sources of powerful antioxidants and key vitamins like A, C, and E. They help support a healthy immune system and help you power through your day. What's so great about Sambacol is they have tons of different ways to help your daily helping of black elderberry, like syrups, gummies, chewable tablets, drink powders, capsules, and more. They even have products made just for kids. My husband, my son, and I all take Sambacol. We love the gummies. We eat them right after dinner, but before we start the nighttime routine, it's sort of just like a nice little treat and a nice way to end the day. So make a healthy immune system part of your back-to-school strategy this year with Sambacol. My listeners get 15% off their next order of $9.99 or more at SambacolUSA.com by using my promo code MOMPROBS15 at checkout. That's 15% off your order of $9.99 or more at SambacallUSA.com. Use code MOMPROBS15 at checkout. Okay, here's a pro tip. Save this promo code and website address in your notes app. I know you're busy. 
too busy to remember a promo code or to sort through episodes to find it again, save it and use it when you have a few minutes to shop. The code again is MOMPROBS15 and the website is sambacallusa.com. It's so unpredictable then because you don't know where it's going to go one one day from the other. So like, what can parents do when they catch themselves unintentionally falling into the way that they were parented? The biggest thing is to release the stress you're feeling. Like that's, I mean, and that's funny because I've, I've, people have asked me this question before and they're like, what? But I can't be the parent I want to be when I'm dysregulated. When my stress level is at a seven out of 10, I'm a monster, right? The rage comes out, the like weaponized shame comes out. Like mm-hmm. it's all of us. And the way that the best predictor of my ability to be the parent I want to be is where my stress level is. My stress level is at a two or three and my kid breaks the thing, drops the thing, spills the thing, hits me, hits their sister. I'm much more likely to be calm and have the capacity to respond calmly and get my perspectacles on and love them through that. The exact same thing happens when I'm an eight out of 10, right? And I've learned over time, instead of slamming into 10 to kind of be like, whoa, I'm about like literally putting my hand over my mouth sometimes. I mean, like, I need to go release this stress. Like, I'm about to lose it. And it doesn't always happen. Like, sometimes I yell. Like, I yelled yesterday at my kids. Like, I I mean, it's like we're not shooting for perfection here. But when I do yell, I go back. I start the conversation. We don't sweep it under the rug. We talk Mm -hmm. about it. I own my behavior. I do a full actual apology. Right. Mm -hmm. We're all going to yell sometimes. Like the rage is going to take over sometimes, you know? Yeah. Allie Payne is a parenting expert I love. And she talks about how capacity drives capability. Right. So my stress level is at a, right. My stress level is at a seven. I have 30% capacity left. So things that I'm technically capable of are going to be real hard when I'm at a seven out of 10. The exact right, right. same situation when I am at a two and I have 80% capacity, mm-hmm. I'm going to be much more likely to match my capability. And I think this is such an important point because so much of the exhausting parts of parenting, and it is such a mind off, like our kid can tie their shoes four out of five days a week. And then one day they just won't. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And so it's like, what, what do you mean you can't? Right. Like, and it feels like they're being dramatic and it feels like all these things that it wouldn't have gone well for us if we had acted like that. Right. right? Sure. And so then parts of us are like, God, I got to protect my kid because they're about to get yelled at. And the silent treatment by my parent, like parts of us kind of jump in to try to I mean, hijack us and they try to protect mm-hmm. our kids. But capacity does drive capability. And one of the most damaging things we can say is I'm not mad, I'm disappointed. And I know that's super freaking controversial, but I stand by it. Mm. Like we have these expectations of our kids' capabilities. And when they can't reach them, we're like, what is wrong with you? Capacity mm-hmm. drives capability. Where their capacity is, where their stress level is, is going to determine whether or not they can do that thing. Yeah. yeah. Right? That makes sense. It's interesting to think of it like more quantitatively than that. Mm-hmm. In that situation, instead of saying, you know, I'm not mad, I'm really disappointed, what would you recommend is a better turn of phrase? Yes. Okay. So a lot of people think that gentler parenting, which I guess is where I fall, is raises spoiled, entitled, you know, all the things. Like it's like a free-for-all. Mm-hmm. Most parents are real surprised when I explain the level of owning the hell out of your boundaries that I'm talking about. Like they're yeah. sort of like, oh. I don't know if I'm, I don't know if I can be that confident leader, right? I'm not (laughs) talking about like no consequences. I'm kids need consequences and Mm -hmm. kids need a confident leader who can own the hell out of their boundaries, but with love instead of shame, right? Yes. So my favorite phrase for setting the boundary that I use 
99% of the time is I'm not going to let you. Not we don't do this. Not the alarm says it's time. I am stepping in the room. I'm the leader. We're in a relationship with each other. I am not going to let you do that. And there's, we need it to be as certain as possible. I have a good analogy for that if we have time to circle back. Yeah, go for it. As certain as possible. And so I'm not going to let you do that. And then if you do it again, or if you're not able to control yourself, then I'm going to help you. And that's going to look like taking it away, wrestling it out of your hands if I have to, picking you up and bringing you down. Or like, we're going to go into your room and have a conversation about what's going on. Like, I'm going to remove you from the situation and we're going to go have a little touch base, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. So it can be this like, it's okay that you lost control, but mm-hmm. I'm not going to let you do that, right? We've got to move out of the, like, you should know better capabilities, right? And to, like, under certain circumstances, all of our impulse control is undermined. We say things we don't mean. We don't need to light our kids' self-worth on fire for that. Yeah. Like, we can let there be space for, like, it's okay. You were overwhelmed with your big feelings. You lashed out. I'm not going to let you do that. My son is five, and he's in a big, aggressive place right now, which is, it's actually exactly on point with his brain and how it's supposed to work, but it's exhausting. And yesterday he was like hit, he was throwing pillows at the dogs. He was just doing stuff. And so I was, I was holding him because he was just out of control and couldn't, he was kicking, he was biting and spitting and just kind of in a place. Yep. And we, we were there at one point. (laughs) Yeah. And I, I said the, the mad feelings are okay. Like there's nothing wrong with being frustrated and overwhelmed, but I'm not going to let you hurt other people when you're in that place. You've got to find a new way to move through that where you don't hurt people with your mad, right? We've got to find a place to let that aggression out on on a pillow. Mm -hmm. You can punch a pillow. You can try to break it. You can scream into it. Like, Mm -hmm. but we've got to learn how to, I don't want you to push the feelings down, but I'm not going to let you do that thing. And part of this with kids under six, they don't have impulse control yet full. They do have moments of it when their capacity is really high and their stress mm-hmm. levels low. But the parts of the brain that come together to organize impulse control are not fully developed and working together until mm-hmm. six to seven. So okay. a kid below six, we're kind of just waiting on, we're waiting the clock out, you know, trusting that like, it's not a matter of teaching. You can't teach a four-year-old how to, how to have impulse control. Like it's their brain. It has to develop into that, you know? So some of this is kind of waiting the clock out. So when I say, I need you to, you know, I'm, I'm going to let you have the, it's okay to have those big feelings, but I, I'm not going to let you do this thing. Part of it is like, but probably for the next like 18 months, we're going to be dealing with this. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. Maybe even longer. You know, it's, it's funny. My son had some very big feelings when he was a toddler and my husband, we had a running joke where he would look at my son and jokingly say, just be six, just be six already. Are you six? Just be six. And now my son is nine and a half. And so when I even think back, I'm like, oh my gosh, that was like three years ago, Mm -hmm. you know, and here we were like wishing him to be six when he was like, I don't know, three or four maybe. But yeah, six, it really was a turning point. You know, we said that as a joke, but that was a real turning point because you're right. The regulation starts to get better and the impulse control definitely starts to come but but there was a real struggle with those big feelings, like I said, between maybe, I don't know, 18 months until four. Yes. When we just lived through four, like, oh, it's four rough. is a hard age. I just feel like we just got to kind of, so many parents think, I talked to my kid once about hitting. Why are they still hitting? Because they're a freaking kid who doesn't have impulse control yet. Like, yeah. I, how many times has my kid hit? He's, he's five now. I don't know. 600 like I, don't, it, it was I was like, say, you can't even count at that point right, right? but like it's the not limit does not exist teaching him not to hit he's going to hit because he's a kid and kids hit like yeah 
You know what I mean? It's about me continually setting the boundary, trusting that the more consistent I am and the more that I see through the aggression to the real him inside. And when Mm -hmm. he feels seen and feels like, oh, you get it. I'm in here wishing I could stop, knowing I'm not okay to hit, but I've lost control. I'm flailing. Help me. Right? When kids feel that, they're like, oh, you know that that's not the real me at the surface. I'm in here and I don't know why I need to push back right now. I don't know why I'm hitting. I don't know why I'm screaming that at you. I don't know why. Help me. That's so beautifully said, Maggie. It really does. Because like, yeah, I've just never thought of that. Like they, they're acknowledging that this isn't the real me. You know, me at 10 is not the real me. Me at two may be the real me. So please love me at 10. Don't ignore me at 10 when I need you the most. Right. Well, and I often say the most triggering parts of parenting really change when we recognize that kids are asking us, can you love me even like this? Can you love me even when I'm out of control? Can you love me even when I'm biting my sister? Can you love me even when I can't pull it together and I failed? And the messiest parts of my life are spilling out onto the sidewalk and I can't do anything about it. Like the answer needs to be, I'm not going to let you do that. And yes, I do love you even right now. And part of that is learning how to do that. Like we didn't, we weren't loved that way. We don't Mm -hmm. love other people that way. And we certainly don't love ourselves that way. Right. Mm -hmm. We love ourselves with conditions, right? There's this list where I'm good enough and I'm loved and this list where I'm not. Right. For me, it was, you know, procrastinating, like all the things that drove my perfectionism, right. It was, was me trying to believe that I was good enough and trying to stay on the good list where I was good Mm -hmm. enough and I got love and I had to avoid this list at all costs. Mm -hmm. How can we be proactive about it as parents? Yes. So a huge part of this, we've got to look at our own stuff. We've got to figure out and, and trust that we're yelling for a reason and we're losing it on our kids every time they're clingy or right obnoxious or melting down for a reason, right? I don't think it's helpful to keep shaming ourselves and thinking that we should be able to do something that clearly we're having a hard time doing. Maybe we can trust that there's a reason I shut down. The clingy behavior is an interesting one and an honestly really important one here for especially people pleasers. Nothing sent me to 10 and to the, to the rage, like my daughter's clinginess. And it was so surprising. I really thought parenting was going to be this like beautiful moment where I gave my kid the thing she needs, the thing that I needed. And I thought it would just be this uh, just beautiful heart explosion moment over and over again. Mm-hmm. And it is. But mm-hmm. it's also putting me face to face with like, oh, when I needed my mom, I was shut down and made to feel like, what is wrong with you? Get away from me. Right. And so the clinging behavior was really interesting. I, I would almost like get triggered, go to 10 and then like black out. And I, by the time I came back, it was like I had shut her down. I'd shamed her and I'd withdrawn. Yeah. And it like needy kids are triggering for many of us. Many of us have a really hard time with needy behavior and we do shut it down. And I think understanding, I did feel like a monster. And part of like my work is because I've just been trying to make sure that I'm not a monster over and over again. And on this one, my daughter was doing something that wouldn't have been safe for me to do. Mm Would have been safe to be clingy and needy. And so parts of me are like, we got to shut this down because those parts of me know what comes next. And it's not pleasant. And they don't want that for my daughter. So it's the shutting down is coming from this place of like wanting my kid to not feel the way I felt. Maggie, what's your key takeaway for my listeners? <sighs> Good question. There's two. And they're, they're, they go together. 
this is work. Like we, in order to, it's that nothing changes if nothing changes, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. In order to give your kids that experience that you want for them, you've got to do the work. And I know it's scary and I know it's hard, but you can do this. Like you can, I sit with people every day in coaching and in counseling who are doing this work and it's hard, but it's so important. And to believe that you can, the more that you heal yourself, the more you will heal your kid. Truly, like we're, we're kind of blinded from the pain that we haven't seen within us. So like the ways in which we shut our kid down, we're going to feel righteous in that. I feel like that's the right idea until we face, oh, this is how I felt when my parents shut me down. We're going to give them the silent treatment until we sit with like, oh boy, that felt terrible. And then it's like suddenly the mask comes off and we can see our kid and the pain they're in and move out of this kind of righteous anger place to like, oh God. I need to change this. I need to stop this. And so you can do this. It is hard, but you can do this. I love that. Thank you. Maggie, Nick, tell everyone where we could find you online. Yes. I'm on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook at Parenting with Perspectacles. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much. I wish that I had a pair of like actual Perspectacles. <laughs> uh, I think I might have to go to Target and buy some party glasses do myself. It. Do it. Thank you, Tara. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Modern Mom Probs. I hope you enjoyed our deep dive in today's problem with me, your host, Tara Clark. Join me next time when I'll be interviewing another great guest and tackling another modern mom problem. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a review and a rating. As always, you could head over to Modern Mom Probs on Instagram and give me a follow or check out my book, Modern Mom Probs, A Survival Guide for 21st Century Mothers, available online wherever books are sold. Well, that's it for today. See you next time, folks.